Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dane DiRio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by a guy who's eligible for a supermax. What's up, Gene? Hey, man, just slide that paperwork across the table and I'll I'll sign on the dotted line. <laughs> I'll I'll place my X, as they say. Where can they find the show, Gene? Uh, my name is Gene Felak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. It's right there on the screen for those of you that are joining us visually. And you can find the show at Potadelphia. All right. Good times. The big news of the day. Um, you know, I was all lined up to lead with some Philly stuff. Uh, but the big news of the day is Joel Embiid gets a four-year, $196 million contract extension. Um, so he will be with the Sixers for what is this the next seven years? Yeah, I think that it, it extends six years. Yeah, what 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 will be the I feel like the most productive years of his career? I think that it was um, probably intelligent of the team, and honestly, I think this is going to be the biggest move you're going to see the Sixers make in the offseason, unless Ben Simmons gets traded, which. There's a certain part of me that now believes that by locking up Joel Embiid in this way, it's sort of saying that Ben Simmons is probably the one that is. <laughs> oh, you think? Yeah, you think Ben Simmons is the one that they're going to part ways with over I, over I the two of them? That's the way, way the wind is yeah. blowing. Yeah, all, I mean, all arrows are actually pointing right now to to Ben um, to Ben starting the season at, at the very least. With the Sixers, uh, and I, you know, we do have some some ben, some ben things to talk about tonight. But um, just so everyone knows, the format of the show today, we kind of want to have an express episode, uh, half an hour show today to get everyone off off to Arizona to watch the Phillies uh, try to take take first place back tonight. Uh, but back to Embiid, are you happy with the contract? Are you are you one of those people where it's like, yes, lock him up for these, you know, we'll call them effective years. And uh, you know I'm not worried about the injuries or, uh, or or anything else. Just keep keep the big man in town. I think that we've seen with Joel Embiid that um, he can still possibly be a transcendent player. Um, there is just not anybody else in the NBA that has his skill set, and he has the ability to affect a game and take over a game on both sides of the court. So um, I think that the whole journey that was called the process was to find a guy like Joel Embiid. I think he has exceeded expectations. Absolutely, there are concerns about injuries. But I think that that is any player that is of his size and plays his type of game is going to have injuries. I think that it is absolutely beholden on the organization now that you've made this investment and this is not for me this is not me advocating the traditional load management style that we've we've come to know but you do need to make sure that you are sort of staying on top of his fitness that you find a good trusted medical professional or group of medical professionals that will be willing to say to him, Joel, it's really important that you not play through this particular injury because you risk, there's a high risk of causing you a loss of part of your career. 
Um, well, it's pretty incredible. I mean, if you watch Joel Embiid from the time he got into the league uh, to now, he's just he's just developed into like a, a much craftier player. That I, I mean, he, he you know he does flail about. He does fall often. I believe that in in my mind, they're like defensive. Um, body preserving falls as opposed to taking impacts. He collapses and rolls and, um, and it looks worse th- than it actually is. And I, and I think like every year he tends to become like a smarter player about wh- where he uses energy and, um, and, and how he chooses to exert himself. And I don't, I only really see that, um, you know, going for, and now look, if this is, we have him for six more years and, I, you know, I, I keep losing track of the of the the year, but I always have in my mind my son will be seventeen when he when he leaves, and he's eleven now. So, right. um, it, if we have for that long, and let's, I'm I, I'm okay. I'm going to say it now, and you can hold me to it, and then everyone can remind me of it in in five years. But if four, if we get four of those six years with really productive Embiid and it turns out to be an albatross contract in the last two years of it. I'm okay with it. I don't think yeah, it will. No, I, I don't think it will, but I don't think so I'm either. okay with it. I think that you, you've got him now. The one thing you don't want is for him to have hit the free, like hit the open market. In my opinion. Um, I think that there's also the possibility that the economics and that length of time may have changed and that what the cost of a supermax contract will be may be different from what it is now. Um, he is a max player was, is always going to be making the max contract, but you don't want to get to a point where the way the NBA is, it's not necessarily about necessarily, you know, who can pay you the most money in most, in cases like a guy like Joel Embiid or LeBron James, somebody is offering you a max contract, but the way that the system is sort of built is if you hit that open market, you can tell your team, listen, I'm going to take the super max over at this other place where I think I've got a better chance where my friend, I don't know who else, whoever would be trying to entice Joel and B to go out to Los Angeles. Um, Cause I always feel like that's, you know, it's either the Clippers or the Lakers that are, or uh, I guess last year, Brooklyn uh, who are trying to create these super teams. And really what you want is now you've established that, we now have Joel Embiid, and hopefully he's going to be the guy that's going to be saying, hey, James Harden, uh, not James Harden in this case, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Damian Lillard, why don't you come and be part of my super team in Philadelphia? You want you want to now be a destination, and in order to do that, you sort of have to lock up a cornerstone player. And I think that it's clear over the last three seasons, you know, if there was ever any real doubt, that Joel Embiid is the cornerstone player of this franchise and if you if, if he goes down you were never going to be able to get value in a trade for him you're never going to be able to get value if you let him go on to the free market the only way that you can maximize your investment is to secure him for your team um yeah. i don't necessarily the- feel that same way about ben simmons i think that there is a way that you can get value through a trade or you could get value by that's the main way I think that you're going to get value for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Here's the here's the quote of the day from Embiid. I've always had this one dream to play for one city, Philly and me. I've always thought that we're a perfect match. They care. They're passionate. I love them, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Right on. Right on, Joel Embiid.
And honestly, um, it doesn't feel like disingenuous. I think that if there is another player in Philadelphia um, that you feel – is there somebody else that you feel represents the city as a whole better right now than Joel Embiid? Because I, I honestly can't think of if you were to have like – you get to, you know, be represented by one current athlete. I don't know if I could think of anybody that would be better. I think he is the the best at his position, possibly in the entire league. And I think that he's the biggest star nationally <coughs> on any of our teams, and that's including Bryce Harper. I think he is All a right. bigger star than Bryce Harper. I'm gonna show I'm gonna show the uh, the Ben Simmons tweet that's got everyone twisted this week. Have you seen it? Um. Most of the Ben Simmons content I've uh, enjoyed has been video content. So yeah, 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 I have yeah, not, yeah, read, yeah. I have not yeah. read any of his tweets. So right. Well, it's a video. Here, here it is. Here it is. <clears throat> so Chris Johnson Hoops tweets, how many point guards got this in the bag? <laughs> so what, what it is here is a video of Ben Simmons um, being guarded out at the three-point line, which never happens no. in an actual game. And um, – Blowing by like two dudes who are just standing there for a dunk, which is not really well, the thing. That I mean, are, are those just guys that he, they found at the Y? The one guy looks <laughs> like, I mean, like comparatively, I know that like. What's this guy pointing this guy at? Is yeah. on the coaching he said like, look, this is where you need to shoot from. And probably like, that guy's like 5'10 or something, but he looks like he's about my size. <laughs> Certainly my build. Um Oh, would Ben Simmons do that to me? Absolutely. Yeah, stop. Please stop. Stop showing me gym videos of Ben Simmons. I just can't. I just can't take it. It's nothing against Ben Simmons. Like, you know, I don't know. I hope he's doing great. I I, I hope he comes back and he's great. I I don't know what to say. It's just we've seen these videos before and it just doesn't do it. Like, I don't know. Anyway, well, did, I mean, right. did you see sort of the reaction to the to the three point videos that he was putting up? Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. Well, we're out of we're out of Sixers time. The reaction in general has been like, yeah, I've seen these before. Um, he doesn't do this in actual NBA games, so I don't care. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we're out, we're out of Sixers time. Let's talk about the Phillies for, for 10 minutes. Um, you know, you come off of a series, you know, you come off of eight wins in a row uh, streak, and you lose two or three to the Dodgers and then two or three uh, to the Reds, both series at home. Like, I get that they're good teams. Uh, but you really got to find a way to to split that and and go three and three. Yeah, the Reds, um, and you the really Reds had that opportunity with the Reds. Yeah, the Red series in particular was. I mean, like the thing about the Dodger series is like that is that is a sort of almost a generational collection of of, of players. Like that's crazy the amount of talent that they put together on that team. Also, in that series, we had two rain delays, which really I think messes with the. Yeah. sort of flow of the game. I, I would have been really curious to see how that Nola start would have continued because he seemed like he really had his stuff together. He really is every other start. Lead he, he, to, to another conversation about him this week. Um, yeah. But um, the Red Series, I'm just not sure where the offense went. That seemed to be the real problem is we were unable to put any pressure on their pitching or defense. And if you aren't you know, sort of putting any pressure on their pitching and defense, and they are pressuring yours. Um, we've seen with the Phillies that if if they're not scoring runs, you know, they're they're not winning. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the the Dodgers are in another class. If you're trying to think that the Phillies can compete with the Dodgers, you're really fooling yourself. I was really happy that they won one of those games, to be honest. Um, the the Red Series, though, was a little bit of a different animal. I really expected the Phillies to win two or three um, in that series with having Wheeler and, and Nola going. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically enough, they lost those two games and won the, the, the Matt Moore start with, like, Matt Moore pitching an absolute gem, and maybe we should kind of start with that. Were you were you surprised that Girardi took Matt Moore out of the game? And two, are you upset with Joe Girardi taking Matt Moore out of that game after the six? No, I I, I wasn't surprised or upset. Um, right. Because oh, so I, you understand baseball? Perfect. I I think it was mostly because they, you know, and maybe he could have gone another inning. We're talking the sixth inning. We're not talking the eighth. For first of all, yeah. Um, you know, I think that if you've watched Matt Moore pitch as much as we've been able to enjoy this year, <laughs> um, that you're, you know, by that point in the game, and it was still, uh, I think that it was a close game at that point. It's not like we were talking about being up 10 runs. Yeah, I'm not um, sure. I'm not sure that Matt Moore has seen a third time through the order at all this season. No, I don't think so either. And I think that if you're his coach, you you say, Matt, you you've given us exactly what we needed today, plus another inning. You know yeah. what I mean? I think you have you have him penciled in for five. Um, and honestly, the the stat that was the most important out of that game was the W. And you needed to make sure that that happened. I think that if you're Joe Girardi, you're going, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not rolling the dice right now. It's August. This is not April. Um, I'm I'm gonna go and move move ahead. You don't want him to get in trouble, and that's when you make your move. I think that the result of the game sort of speaks to that. And I I, I 100% agree with you, and I think this happens all too often in baseball. Managers don't want to – managers – what what am I trying to say here? So they always wait too late, or they tend to wait too late. Um, There are signs, there are indicators that a pitcher is – uh, fatiguing or um, showing his stuff or hitters are catching up to them before they get in trouble. And it, it usually happens after the second time through an order. So when you when you see a hitter for the third time, their chances of touching you go up greatly. Um, and I think, you know, umpire uh, managers are hesitant to take guys out of the game because people are going to say, why did you take him out of the game? He was pitching great, which is the exact case here. And you see all over Twitter, people who probably, you know, don't understand that slamming Girardi saying, you got to give the guy a chance to finish it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, to your point, the W was the most important side. If he got cooked in that seventh inning, uh, you know, fans would be going ballistic the other way. And I'd much rather have him upset that he took him out too early than the reverse that he took him out too late once the game was sort of either out of hand or, you know, it became a ball game at that point. I, I think that there are probably certain pitchers who you are willing to give that latitude to, who you have a track record of being able to make certain adjustments. Um, that's why there are not very many pitchers that pitch complete games anymore. Uh, I think that it's just not – how the game is played. I think that for a lot of reasons, that's not why the game is played. I think that managers want to keep their pitchers uh, fatigue levels overall over the course of the whole season down. I think that they want to um, 
show the opposition different types of pitching. Um, you know, but there are certain guys, and I think Wheeler might be one of them that we would have to, and a, a way to point to, uh, that are able to make adjustments and seem to get stronger as games go on. Cliff Lee was another good example of a guy, I think, that had a similar, um, would have had similar latitude. Um, but I think generally speaking, most of your guys that are going to be your third, fourth, fifth starters across baseball, you have to have managers that are willing to be like, yeah, no, you know, this is my sort of idea of where, where you're going to get pitch count wise, where I would like us to be in the game, um, whether or not I need the offense and take you, you know, if it's in the National League, if I need you somebody to hit for you because we need to score runs. Um, I think that those are all huge, important factors rather than just, is Matt Moore going to throw a no-hitter? Because the answer is, he wasn't going to. I just don't think that that was going to happen. And like I said, this was the sixth inning, not the eighth. It's much more likely that he's going to give up. Had he given up one hit in the second inning that had been a single, <laughs> I feel like... Right, then everyone would not, not have any problem whatsoever. You know, and I'm a big, as big a fan as seeing no-hitters as anybody else. I don't talk about them when they're happening on other teams. I don't, you know, why do I even care what happens, you know, other places? But that's because I have such reverence for, for, for the idea of the no-hitter. But in this particular case, I've watched enough of Matt Moore pitch to know that, ladies and gentlemen, that was not going to happen. He was not going to throw a no-hitter. It just was not within the realm of possibility. That's just not what that guy's going to do. And yeah. the most important stat at the end of the day in that situation was the W. And that's what we got. Well, let's switch over. Let's switch over to the Aaron Nola conversation because this is this is like, you know, going on three years with this guy. So, and this year is really extreme with the, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing, everybody. You need to stop expecting Aaron Nola to be a perennial Cy Young candidate, um, a top of the rotation pitcher, and ace. Like I keep seeing, um, like fan outrage. Like Aaron Nola is not an ace. Well, no one's saying he's an ace except for you who's saying that he's not an ace. Like Aaron Nola is not out there going like, I'm the ace. Uh, you know, he's just trying to do his best. And he's just not, even when he came up out of the mine, well, when he was drafted and he came up through the minors and he broke into the majors, no one expected him to be a one or a two. He was always projected to be like a middle of the rotation sort of guy. The thing is, is that every once in a while, he flashes this brilliance. And, you know, Philadelphia, the way we do things here is we want what we want, we project. So it's like we want Andre Iguodala to be the next Allen Iverson. So those are your expectations. Now, I don't care who you are or what you're projected to be. Those are our expectations for you. So go be that. And when you're not that, we will, you know, not not like you anymore or whatever. So because Aaronola has flashed brilliance and he's had some games where, you know, he's sparkled um, like a, like a twilight vampire. <laughs> um, now that expectation is like, okay, now you, now that you've shown that you can do that, we expect you to do it all the time. And he's just not that guy. He's just not that guy. It's not within his, it's not within his makeup. Like it's not his, his approach to the game. He does not have that. I don't know how else. To I don't know if that's it, what like, it is. It's just he doesn't have like that Greg Maddox tactician sort of makeup. 
he doesn't have that Roger Clemens, I'm going to just short, like purely overpower you. He no, well, he's definitely not that. He he just doesn't ha- – he's not one of those guys that has those ace makeups. Um, I think Zach Wheeler has shown moments this season that he has – I think his particular special ability is that he's able to adjust his own mechanics within games, um, which is sort of a very rare – like I don't know if you were – if you're thinking about like a like an RPG – sort of style of, uh, you know, building a pitcher, you know, that's not usually the branch that people go down. Um, you know, I'm just going to hit fastball until I get to 104. Um, but that seems to be Zach Wheeler's things. He'll get touched up in a particular inning and come back and strike out the side the next. That's, you know, that is sort of an, an ace makeup. Um, Aaron Nola, if he does not have it on a particular day, he, he just doesn't have it. Um, and then some days he does. But if you look at sort of, I think more importantly, the way he carries himself, and this is very contrary to Cole Hamels. I have to sort of compare them in a, in, a, in a weird way in the sense that they're both sort of homegrown. Uh, Cole Hamels, I think, was his own toughest critic. And I think that that's what happened to Cole Hamels in 2009. I think the difference is Aaron Nola is much more even temperament, which is why he's been able to have these bad starts and then come back and find his confidence. The, the the issue is, and the reason why he's not an ace, is because he's not consistent. And not everybody is going to be consistent. That's why aces are rare, and that's why they get paid a lot of money. But you know what we do need on this Phillies team? We do need a guy who is a really solid third. And maybe that's what Aaron Nola is going to be. Well, I mean, it's, that's supposed to be Eflin right now, right? Yeah. But I mean, if, um, but, if, if, you know, if, but he's if down. Is your fourth, yeah, I mean, I we need to figure this out. We need to figure it out. And maybe it's Gibson. Um, I don't know. Maybe it winds up being Falter uh, as like a two. And then, yeah, like, it's, it dep- I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but my next o- year. I don't know. My only message is like to stop expecting Aaron Nola to be dominant because he's just not. I mean, he's the most, in- like, you just can't rely on him. Like, I would never bet an Aaron Nola game. What I would like to see is Aaron Nola to be less the high and less the low to somehow find a way. To well, just, I'll take the highs. Just yeah, but I mean, like down if, those if valleys the trade-off a bit. was you know you less lows, <laughs> you know, and have him be a. I mean, we've watched the guy five innings and three runs every, yeah. every night. <laughs> I, I know. We watched the guy strike out ten guys in a row this season. We watched the guy throw a two hitter. Uh, you know, I mean, he's able to flash these games. It's just when you expect it to come in night in night out, it's just not going to happen. So you just got to, you got to bear down. I don't know. You got to understand that. Uh, let's also talk about Cole Hamels for a second. Um, because dude made uh, $19 million over the last two seasons and he pitched three and a third. Really? That's all he's pitched just three and a third. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think he only pitched three innings last so season. How does that work? Like you, you, yeah. you sign the contracts and, they're it's guaranteed money. Dice. Yeah, I don't know. They're basically rolling the dice, being like, "Yeah, I'm sure you'll figure it out, and we'll get to, we'll get you, uh, we'll get you up to the big show." And he's just not physically getting there. Well, he's hurt. I don't, you know, I don't I mean, know he's hurt. He gets like, shut down. He showed what he had. What one like simulated game, and and the Dodgers are like, uh, "Yeah, yep, <laughs> yep, we'll we'll take it." No, they shut him down. He's he's guy. that's what I'm saying. But I mean, like he showed a. I think the whole thing was that he had like a showcase, 
Yeah. The Phillies went down to it. The Dodgers went down to it, obviously. Uh, other teams, I'm sure. And right. they just were like, here. And then he went to Arizona, I guess, to start to get yeah, ready yeah, to yeah, get. Yeah. yeah, he and pitched 3.1. Like, yeah, he pitched. Not ready. <laughs> He pitched 3.1 innings for Atlanta last year. He made $18 million. He got signed for a one-year deal with LA this year for $1 million. And he pitched not he pitched nothing. So he's just, he's just been... oh, but a one-year $1 million deal is basically Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's last year that like he really yeah, last year is sort of laughable. But that's yeah, why I, mean, I guess like, he landed I don't care. Like, but it's fuck, making fuck the, Phillies, the Braves and the Dodgers. You know, I don't give a shit. Not us, but there have been a lot of people that have been like, we want Cole. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Cole. yeah. Making the Phillies look Awful smart. And I, I said all along, I said all along, he's cooked. Like, don't even bother. He's he's trashed. And it's just like the, it's just like what are the Padres doing signing Arietta? Like that makes no like, sense. The Cubs, like the Cubs, were like you're not good enough to pitch for the Cubs. Right. The Cubs. The fire. The Cubs, Gene. Them. The Cubs yeah. said they're the not. Good. And uh, but you know the, the Padres are like. Pff. We're in a pennant race. Like, come yeah, start in. games for you. Lost your mind. Yeah, bring him in. Uh, all right. So the Phillies got to step it up. We got Arizona tonight at nine forty. Right. Yeah. It's getting First ready to pitch start happening happening just yeah. about now. Right. About now. Um, and then you know, and then San Diego. So I, you know, look, we got to win four out of six here. Yeah. Four out of six. Five out of six. We got to get back in this thing. Got to clean up against uh, the D backs. You know. You only get six yeah, you've got against to start, them or seven against you them. You got to so. start establishing. Yeah, but you're not a going dominance anymore. over the bottom feeders. Like, come on, clean up, guys. All right, all right we got Gibson going tonight, so here's hoping. Good. Uh, all right, well, let's take uh, let's take five minutes here and let's let's talk about the Eagles for a second. Um, all right, Gene. Now you got to talk me out of this because I don't know. I'm getting like I'm getting like the Cubs. I'm getting excited. I'm. Getting, <laughs> Yes, Tim, the Cubs. Um, I, I, I'm getting a little excited about the Eagles season. And uh, I, can't I don't know. Because I sort of feel the same way. But, I mean, I'll do my best to play devil. So back. here's what I'm thinking, right? Here's, what, here's, here's kind of where my head's at here. Offensive line is kind of healthy. Like, they're, they're kind they of going to be. They can't be any less healthier. I mean, last last year was the least healthy offensive line in the history of the NFL. So, as yeah, they kinda, told us. They're kind of going to be good. different offensive lines. Like the offensive line is kind of going to be good, right? Um, and like the defensive line is kind of going to be good, right? Very. Like they're like going to be like both lines are going to be in like the top half of the league, right? Mm-hmm. So hey, you build teams from the lines. Andy Reid told me that a long time ago. Right, right, right. And what I'm seeing out of Hertz in the first game is like he's he's willing to just take what they like. I'll throw the ball away. Right. Right. So if you just sort of minimize your losses uh, and you got good line play, and I kind of think that the secondaries improved too, like the Nelson pickup, Nelson and Slay. I like Slay. I've always liked Slay. I thought that was a really good pickup last year. Yeah. I don't know. And like Rager is showing some like good stuff in practice and, and, Watkins hey man, is showing you. some you good love stuff. You. Qu- Quez, <laughs> Quez Watkins showing some stuff. He's going to make the team, right? He's got to, right? I mean, he's going to be what the fifth. See, they're talking about him starting for the Eagles. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe that's what's pushing Rager, but 
And then you got Devontae Smith coming in the way. Like, I don't and know. We haven't, even I, seen, we haven't even seen Devontae Smith yet. We haven't yeah, even seen I, That's what I'm saying. So I, what's the over-under? Six and a half? Yeah, I think I would take the over. In a 17-game season? I don't know. I think I'm taking the over. And I think I'm actually kind of excited about this team. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And Sirianni looks kind of like not a weirdo on the sidelines. Well, he looks he also looks like he's not trying to overmanage the team. I don't I mean we're we're going off one preseason game. That's basically all we've we've seen. We're going off we're going off joint practices too. Oh, that's true. Uh the one the other thing I wanted to bring up about the Eagles and I don't know how much truth is to this, but what do you make of Bill Belichick's sort of personal appeal and meet and greet with Julie Ertz? I don't know anything about it. What happened? Well, Zach Ertz had Julie Ertz at, at practice, I guess, the day that mm-hmm. New England Whose hair arrived. is blonder at this point? Yeah. And Who, um, Bill know? Belichick sort of, <laughs> I guess, I don't know if he, I don't know if Julie Ertz wanted to meet Bill or if Bill wanted to meet Julie. I don't know. But there was sort of like a, a meet and greet with Zach Ertz and Julie Ertz and and, and Bill Belichick on the sidelines. Did and, they hug? Um, well, I don't know. COVID restrictions. I think they probably had a certain amount of distance apart. Did they um, do like a cheek kiss? I, all I saw was a still photo. I, I don't know. Uh-huh. But uh, the report is that Belichick sort of said something to Zach Ertz to the effect of, hey, you know, I'd still like to see you in New England. Um, but Howie is asking for uh, two firsts and one of my grandchildren. That's what and, he said. Um, yeah. And um, – yeah, that was apparently that was the the quote. So uh, I don't know if that implies that Howie Roseman is truly asking way too much for Zach Ertz, and uh, that's going to mean that you know I, it, this is another case where I I don't know what you're not going to get that price. Uh, obviously, that is an exaggeration, but if the implication is that Howie Roseman is actually asking for a king's ransom for Zach Ertz, I think it's time to move on from that. I think that. Well, Howie's got to get side. something. I mean, Howie's yeah. got to get something for him. We can't we can't let him walk, and uh, he's got to get something for him. I'm not seeing this. I can't find this picture. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. Um, all right. So yes, but so the Eagles. If I was going to talk you out of it, the only thing I would I would say to sort of temper your expectations is. Um, I just don't know that there's any evidence that what we have is actually going to work against actual other NFL defenses over a 17 game season. I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know what we have that that's well, going to, but be like, what a if true, a true threat, like but what if the receivers, see- like what if the receivers are good? And it's like, look, they get all this separation and everyone's like, yeah, they're fast. Like we should have seen that. Look, every year there's these teams that are good that aren't supposed to be good. And you can say, and people go like, oh, I should have seen that coming because, like, look at these pieces. Look at this and this and this. And Like, yeah, I, why didn't I think TV. Why didn't I think that would – the Cubs? You know, why didn't I think that would that would work? So why can't the Eagles be one of, that, one of those teams this year? You know, the coaching staff, they're all young. They're hungry. They're like hungry. You know, what do hungry dogs do, Gene? Uh, they eat. They run faster. So, oh, and they also do that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I got good vibes. I just got good. I got positive vibes. I, I got like, this is I got like first... no Wentz vibes like all over me. You know, like, I wow, think that no they're, they're, they're the, 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 the change in administration at quarterback has been very refreshing. 
it has been really nice to not have sort of the Wentz funk coming. Yeah, like a quarterback's vaccinated. It's not hurt. Hurts just seems like a guy that he just wants to go out and ball, and he doesn't want to play hero ball. Like he's willing to like sort of ball, ball, ball. He's he's sort of willing to, to you know put the 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 name on the front of the jersey first, not the yeah. one on the back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, look, let's just cut it here. Uh, everyone's excited to go watch the Phillies. So we'll get you out of here to go watch the Phillies. So, uh, you know, this is this is all the time we have for today. This is a shorter amount of time, but it's all the time we have for today. So um, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back next Tuesday talking about the Phillies West Coast trip. Uh, Eagles preseason game Thursday night against the Patriots. So you get another look. You know, maybe maybe my opinion will shift a little bit next week, but I hope not. So we'll get another look at that, um, and we'll be talking about everything else that's going on in Philly sports. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Podadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. And be sure to check out the Painted Lines Network on um on YouTube for all your Philly sports coverage wall to wall. Um, also, hey, I took place. I, I took. I took place. I took part in uh, in the uh, in the animation draft uh, last weekend, and I, I believe my uh, my bout is up for for voting uh, now. So I will uh, have to tweet out that link. How do you think I did, Gene? I thought you you got a very good squad. I think that uh, you were able to stick to the plan. You got. Uh, sort of the team that you had sort of mentally envisioned. Um, so at, at the very least, I think that you're happy that your uh, reputation as an animation fan is intact. <laughs> yeah, even if I go down, I, I love my team. I love all the movies that are that are on my team. So um, be sure to check it out. I'll be I'll be tweeting it out later. So um, all right. Until we meet next week, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.